0: Yeah, that's that's again a perfect uh, segue to. Um, this would be an honorable mention for me, but I'd be remiss since I'm the only one who's played it. But not to bring up Last of Us 2. And honestly, the the reason it didn't make my top three for the year was everything you just said, Jack. Um, I felt like there's a lot a lot of good in that, a lot. I mean, obviously, it's the game of the year. It's a it's amazing, but it's amazing in the sense that like schindler's list is an amazing movie but i didn't necessarily enjoy the experience of watching it and i certainly am not in a rush to sit down and watch it again Mm. as opposed to titanfall 2 which is like a rocky 4 which (laughs) hey if i'm home and sick and it's on you know basic cable probably gonna sit through it it again just because you know (laughs) and that was just last of us 2 was i mean it's technically basically perfect you know, especially when you contrast it with what you saw with Cyberpunk, which was supposed to be the the huge killer of all, you know, last or this PS4 gen games like and it couldn't hold a candle to anything Last of Us 2 did um, in terms of representation. Like that's a huge thing in gaming and, you know, they did it well, despite all whatever you crap you read on Reddit, you know, and uh You know, that's huge, actually, in long-term thinking-wise. I felt like the gameplay was super slick. And again, there's some sequences that are absolutely amazing, but there's a lot of sequences, too, that just drag on and just take forever just to get to something that's inevitable and you know is coming. And then on top of that, too, it's the, the first one had such a heavy plot, but it just worked because it was just short. And, like, it does go much quicker than you might feel. And it just honestly felt like it covered each basis for it. Um, When I get into the second one, it's like, it's just so it keeps pounding on you over and over and over again. Like it just it's so brutal and unrelenting. And frankly, it makes it some, some of the characters aren't likable, like after a while. So <laughs> I I don't know it's like I said amazing game I would never fault anybody for picking it up never like I would recommend it to anyone but it's heavy and therefore it wasn't one of my most enjoyable experiences of the year but I did play it I did beat it you know I'm happy to say I did it so yeah Hello, guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Welcome to Couch Co-op. It's kind of like a book club, only for video game nerds. Today, we have a special episode in store for you. We've been hyping this up nonstop. It's The Last of Us 2. We're so excited to talk about it to the point where we're actually going to break it in two. In this first episode, we're going to discuss the gameplay mechanics, the world building from that perspective of graphics and whatnot. But before we delve into that, Boys, I got to ask you, what have you been playing these past few weeks? Dave, you want to start us off?
1: Yeah, uh, I've been playing a couple of games. Uh, I've gotten back into uh, playing some Rocket League here and there. In fact, before the podcast, I was I needed to pump myself up, so I played a couple of games, and the last one went for 14 minutes. So <laughs> that gives you an idea of that. Damn. A how bad of a shot I am, but also how good of a defender I am. So either way, we won the match. And then I uh, got back to work on the podcast. But uh, I'm also playing Persona 5 Royale, which uh, I got on sale. Uh, I believe I talked about it. Yeah. Um, uh, to be honest, I progressed, but I'm getting a little bit bored of it. There's not too much in the way that they're not introducing new mechanics that really kind of changes up battle mechanics and then on top of that the story is pretty you know what you're going to get into pretty much the next run so um i think i'm going to put that on pause and give myself a little bit of a a break before elden ring comes out which is going to be our big project sorry if i'm spoiling anything but yeah um i'm going to be saturated in that game for a while and i kind of want to just build up some reserves of patience because i know i'm going to die a lot so uh jack what have you been playing
2: well besides the uh couple badass nights of rocket league we we spent together on the mic which were just amazing because uh you know how i feel about that game we've talked about it at length but man what is just a rush i I love that game um but I've, i've played a bunch of cool stuff uh for one uh last time i was on here i was talking about my uh just spanking bloodborne Cause that's how i do <laughs> and um <laughs> uh, i actually i did go get the platinum and um i i got my butt kicked uh, i ran into a boss and something called the chalice dungeons and after pretty much cruising through all the boss fights with the exception of a couple i got stuck on this one boss for five hours over the course of two days To the point where my daughter would like walk in the room and start making fun of me. Uh, (laughs) It was um, watchdog of the old Lords and that and then the three bosses after that every single one of them just kicked the shit out of me uh, for various reasons, I always managed to persevere at the end, but I gotta admit um, it it was no walk in the park and uh, it was a lot of fun still. um, Still ranking second row as by far my favorite of the two games. I just love the combat, um, the rhythm elements of it. And um but but got but got a lot of enjoyment out of Bloodborne. And then um I jumped on to this really simple puzzle game called active neurons. And it kind of just makes me think about um, you know, we spend all this time thinking about how much we like games and like what they what they kind of how they hit us. But so much of it has to do with like when you find the games and this was just like this really simple puzzle game that i think nine times out of ten i would have picked it up i would have been just tossing it aside but following just getting my ass kicked by bloodborne for two three days straight playing like this dumb puzzle game that i could just figure out the puzzles in two minutes was just so relaxing and like stress relieving um been playing a lot of Inversus, which I think is a wholly under-talked-about uh, under, uh, game. If you want a little arcade action, I think that's a great way to go. And then finally, um, Hazel Light's Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons. I have so much damn respect for this studio. I picked this up, not having any high expectations, despite loving their other two games. But this wasn't a co-op game. And have just been absolutely astounded by it how well crafted this debut game the debut game of theirs is um this might be this might be up there with super giant games and maddie makes games for uh best studios for me i strongly recommend if if you've checked out their co-op games and you like them that you go back a little bit in the past and see where they got kind of got their start there's just so much creativity it's it's brimming with it and um yeah now that i've blathered on for long about all these games uh matt why don't you take it away
0: uh first and foremost bravo jack uh, platinum on uh, bloodborne is impressive um so that's two from software games for you so that's uh, quite the mantle you have there um i think my experience with games i've been playing lately is more akin to what dave described where i'm playing darkest dungeon and it's very much kind of that where i'm on that wall of can't decide if i want to drop this all together persevere where I've seen just about everything it's going to throw at me. I've died more times than I care to admit, although I'm pretty sure it tracks it. Um, it's okay. It's, it's not as good by any means as Slay the Spire, and that's why I was hoping to recreate in some form so I could say, fuck you, Jack. That's not an amazing game, but it really takes the cake, and I can see why you keep going back to that well for certain
2: well, I had the same experience with Darkest Dungeon. I pretty much bought that game just thinking like, eh, I know it's not going to be the same game, but similar, some similar elements and uh, I gave it a shot and just didn't do it for me. But um, I've been impressed at seeing how uh, long you've, you've stuck with it.
0: I will say, I think I've reached the point where it starts to get more enjoyable because once you get past that first slog, I have enough built up reserves where I can start leveling up characters and whatnot. And it gets a little more interesting to where you can actually build like teams that you can rely on versus the initial part you're just basically throwing these characters into the wood chipper but uh decent game don't know if I'll persevere all the way through uh certainly can relate to Jacka uh, that puzzle game you were describing that's literally describes the exact mind space I was in when I beat that zombie army 4 game or whatever the hell it was called <laughs> so similar sort of thing where it's just like okay this is all I want is run forward and shoot things but uh yeah uh not a hell of a lot of epic gaming happening in my household currently but uh that's just fine because uh, it's giving me more time to let my mind focus on the topic at hand
2: I love that you're happy like go-to place is zombie army 4 and mine is a game called active neuron <laughs>
0: And meanwhile, Dave actually goes back to great games like Hades and Rocket League and actually finds his happy place in in proper good games and quality versus you and I. It's like the equivalent of going to McDonald's at 2 a.m. I
1: I don't know. Rocket League like, you know, you I, I get a miss on like a. Fairly medium rated save, and all I get is like what a save from my teammates or my opponents for like 10 straight lines. So I, I don't know if there's anything wholesome about Rocket League, but <laughs> I just got to throw that in there.
0: Totally fair. So, anyway, two protagonists, two discs. We, of course, are talking about The Last of Us 2. And because two seems to be the theme here, we have decided to break up our discussion into two different episodes. So in doing so, we are trying to focus this first one mainly on the actual gameplay elements. I mean, certainly there will be some bleed over. Like I said earlier, I believe that the graphics and the level building are a part of gameplay more so than they are like the actual plot and storyline in this instance. So um, I apologize in advance if there's times where it seems like we're discussing topics that aren't completely within the realm of gameplay in this first iteration but that is the goal so uh to start off i mean this game very much why we're having this discussion starts you off with cinematics and walking sequences dave what do you think about the very beginning of the last of us two
1: um i felt like i, w- I wasn't too surprised by it after having played the first game you know the first game is kind of a little bit of a setup like how to move your character around a room how to grab stuff how to open doors and you know whatever new features that they involve in it uh and so yeah it it was just pretty much like an easy setup for me uh i believe it it's wakes you begin it with ellie and joel right and then but what context was
0: uh it was joel and his uh brother the very beginning when he's there uh, in the shed, um, str- he's stringing a, the guitar up. It's a
2: real quiet scene. He's stringing the guitar, and he basically just explains to Tommy what what he did with the fireflies. And for me, it was like it was kind of like coming home because the first game meant so much to me. And like seven years later, you like turn it on and you don't really know what to expect. And within that first. 45 seconds, the tone and the feeling of being in the first game, you're just you're just back. And I loved it. I thought it was I thought it was just a great feeling, just like, okay, I'm in, I'm ready.
0: I think it it you know certainly needed to start off with a cinematic. And I actually love the way it did because it does set a very strong tone, particularly with Joel looking badass as ever and gruff as all get out stringing up a guitar and telling this horrific tale Mm -hmm. to Tommy. But then you depart and then you're instantly put into, uh, you know, a horse riding simulator. And I can't complain about it too much because this is the exact way that, you know, uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 began as well. Mm -hmm. You slogging through the snow and it's real slow and you're just kind of taking in this universe they've created for you. So um, I appreciate it Um, in comparison to the first one, though. That just blew me away. That first sequence of actually having gameplay elements telling essentially what I feel like you saw more usage of cinematics in this iteration to convey just kind of the world. I thought that playing as Joel's daughter in particular was kind of a really moving feature in the first game that was lacking from this opening, but you know, I'm also not gonna judge a game on the first you know five minutes either. So uh, moving along though, eventually you do get to the town. You see um, very much where, uh, more or less where the first game left off. You, you knew that they reunited with uh, Tommy and, and found an encampment of some sort. So you see that they actually are establishing a town. Graphics blew me away. I mean, and I'm playing on PS4. So what were your gentlemen's thoughts on the world that they built within the town that they reside
2: I, I mean, yeah, we're playing it on the PS5, so I, I don't know, you know, what the difference is. All I know is I was just stunned. Um, I, the level of detail, um, but more important than that, just the um, how natural the conversations, how lifelike they seemed and the story, um, the the narrative um, you, I mean, basically you're going through this town and they just, they establish all these different things within those first few minutes. They establish who you are, what you what, what the town thinks of you. Um, then you're introduced to Dina and all of a sudden you're in a snowball fight with all these kids. And I mean, that's just, it, it the, the structure is just, it's ping ponging all over the place as you're meeting all these different people. And you just get a feel for who you are in their eyes. And, um, I just don't experience that a lot in games where it's so nuanced, and that was that was really what kind of jumped out at me.
1: um i I really enjoyed the detail of the town. Like I got a lot of joy from just walking around and kind of checking out as much as I could because the game kind of drags you along as it goes. But uh, just what a group of you know, focus and community-minded people could do in a world like this, you know, the fact that they had running electricity, um, the fact that they had different points of commerce so that you could buy food or, you know, like equipment and that kind of stuff, Um, horse stables. So I I was pretty impressed by it. It definitely showed that, you know, despite how cruddy the world was, in light of the first game that, you know, like people were starting to kind of get themselves back together to a point that they could live in a community for the most part safely. So,
0: yeah, you could argue it was the last moment in the entire gameplay experience where you felt this thing called hope. Uh, <laughs> um, I like the snowball fight. I thought that was a cute little way to introduce kind of the uh, throwing mechanics, um, and I I appreciate exactly what you you both were are talking about the way they constructed the town. In that, uh, coming off of playing so many games where the world is essentially introduced by a bunch of NPCs repeating the same three lines over and over, um, in this it felt very like focused, like it it's going to give you that whole experience in a short little collection of movies and a few walking scenes, rather than give you free reign to roam wherever you like, and you're just gonna hear the same thing over and over and over again. So I actually appreciated that. Um, despite at times, you know, it, it definitely dragged to me. Um, I blame part of that in general, just on, um, Jack, you can speak to this, but like part of what ruins the immersion with these worlds that they build, For me is the fact that they hide all of their collectibles within these sequences so i end up spending all this time like running into weird corners and searching snow banks and stuff when i'm supposed to just be (laughs) progressing through the plot point (laughs) so it it definitely removes me from it a bit um having been a seasoned player of their games
2: i have this problem with a lot of games like uh the last tomb raider was absolutely an incredible game and I almost ruined it for myself trying to do all this stuff, which is why when I came into this game, I made a very strong commitment. I didn't look at any trophy guides. I didn't, I didn't search for any collectibles. I just wanted to be on the roller coaster and didn't want to get distracted by any, any of the things that if you want, you can go back and do on a second playthrough. this, this game, um, was just too, too built up for me to kind of, um, sacrifice, sacrifice the, uh, the narrative and, and pacing. Um, but we i think i think what's really important about what they were doing in these first couple scenes is is they're really kind of setting you up they have you go in and it's Joel in this nice easy scene where he's bringing you back into what happened and then they go into this town where they introduce and really what it's leading up into is the first 3 hours is in my opinion the best 3 hours of video games i've ever played um It goes so many different directions in the first few hours. Maybe you might have an issue with how um, many cutscenes. I personally thought that with how um, how seamlessly they worked in with the gameplay. and um, but this is this is just the introduction to where where everything's gonna kind of blast off over the next couple hours. and um, and, um, you know, as soon as everybody kind of gets on their horses and lines up to roll out and Jesse's giving them the speech like, you all gotta be careful. <laughs> uh, it's like, okay, okay, and here we go. And then it just builds and builds from there.
1: Um, so that, that kind of jets us into the next part of it. And something that personally surprised me was all of a sudden I was playing this other character that I've never met before. Um, and, and that really kind of threw me off, you know, and it starts off with you being woken up um, by another character you've never met. And then, you know, he goes to show you and it's it's more of a tutorial because now it's climbing or crawling under stuff. Uh, but, you know, you kind of find out that, you know, like w- within this opening for one character, there's an opening for another character. Uh, Matt, what would you think about that?
0: I don't know if you boys ever played Metal Gear Solid 2, Um, but that game was hugely controversial for pulling this stunt, except for rather than do what they do in this game, which is kind of blend the two characters together and allow you to get both experiences. Kojima, uh, who made Metal Gear Solid 2, his whole thing was he built such an awesome protagonist in solid snake that the second game he wanted you to experience what it was like to observe solid snake from the point of view of somebody else. So that was my immediate fear when I took over as Abby was like, Oh God, this is going to be one of those things where the whole time you're running alongside Ellie, aren't you? You're just going to be experiencing the whole world, but you don't actually get to take control of any of it. And, uh, I guess you could say I was pleasantly surprised. Um, I, I think it was important to introduce another character just because it, it, the obvious thing to make was to make this game bigger based on all the hype and, and the push from, you know, how well the first one was received. And that would be very, very difficult to do if the plot only focused on Ellie and Joel. So I, I got it. I, I didn't have a problem with that. I was, I was ready to go. Um, so well, even
2: even the next few hours. I mean, just to have what happens come out of nowhere would have been so much more of a, um, it would just seem way out of left field, but you do get introduced and you do get like just a little glimpse into what this person's world is. And, um, for me, it was, it was quick enough. Like I I wasn't, I wasn't blown away by what was happening, but, um, it was quick enough that I the the intrigue I felt kept me kind of like pushing along, um, and then I mean and and they're jumping back and forth because they go back and forth between Ellie and Dina's adventure, which um,
1: is It is them going to the different checkpoints, but then you also kind of see where the relationship's at between those two characters, you know, and and you know, you get introduced to those two via a pretty upset gentleman in the town, you know, and he has to apologize to Ellie over something. And and as you progress through this opening, you kind of start to see why until a point where uh, they get stuck in a, a lookout and uh, they decide to partake in a little bit of doobiness. And then um, uh, I, I guess, show their physical affection for each other is probably a good way of putting it but yeah um so that that was just a really good way of kind of getting more tuned into what Ellie had turned into since the last game ended but then also who another major character is along with her you know and and why Ellie fits into the town the way she does so um
2: i personally was blown away by how much chemistry the two of those had um and it really drew me in like it made me care about both of them just because they seem so human um what did you guys did you guys have a similar uh or did you not buy it
0: i didn't care for it the first time around um i appreciated it much more the second go um (laughs) i think the reason i didn't like it the first time around was Um, I think it was really played up to try to emphasize the age that Ellie was at when the second one kicks off and to try to convey that, like, look, she's she has parts of her life that where she's just as normal, you know, uh, was a late teens, early 20s girl now. And parts of the dialogue while the the actual performances were amazing, like they Naughty Dog is by far the best at doing that walk and talk component uh, in their gameplay um, I just thought some of the dialogue because it was intended to be two people flirting kind of veered into a bit of that young adult novel slash t- twilight realm that just at times I was just kind of like ah, I, I I just want to get to what's going to happen but I,
2: I bought completely in um, I was I was totally uh, and, and that's how I felt about all the characters in this game whether or not I liked them or was frustrated or hated I I think a huge part of why I felt so strongly that this game was amazing was I did buy in. Whereas um, I think there's a lot of people who, who, who had more shared your sentiment where they thought it was a little too much or did just didn't feel right. But for me, it, it hit all the right notes.
1: Um, I felt like the Abby chasing was pretty exciting. Um, so good. Know, there There's some parts where I felt like I, it, it, I think it did a good job of like getting you to like, okay, I think I can fight this off. But then that was only on some small parts because obviously there's a wall of them chasing you at one point. But
2: when the fence comes down, yeah. you know, like, holy shit.
1: Yeah. So um you know, so here's this character who you know has got some wicked intentions because they're they're scouting out the town that you know, Joel and Ellie live in and they're they're kind of piecing together that they've gotten to their final destination but then things go bad and now you kind of see like Abby isn't like some pushover you know that she's pretty capable of taking care of herself and understanding like what danger she's in so I think that was a really good way of you know establishing that Abby is not a weak character you know that she she's she looks the way she does because she lives in this world and she realizes that, you know, she needs to be on her toes. But um, eventually, um, you could say her savior comes into the fold. Um, (laughs) So, Yeah, I mean,
0: a lot of these elements... I mean, this is where it's tough because it bleeds into the plot points. Like, I, I think Assuming Control Abby was awesome. And I agree with you, Dave. I like the fact that she felt very capable. Like, there were parts where you were tempted to want to take on the fight, but then, you know, the chase scene begins and you're just like, oh, yeah, this is way too much. And it's such a badass way to introduce Joel and Tommy uh, just in that setting where you see them in their best light possible despite whatever background you know of the two um the thing about one of the elements that i think didn't get utilized enough honestly was the uh rope i thought the physics on the rope for some of those puzzles was absolutely amazing and i feel like it it was criminally underutilized just because they did it so well for the first few sequences you utilize and then it just disappears and it's never seen again and uh what did you think of that um element
2: well i enjoyed it a heck of a lot more than i enjoyed the rafts in the first game which which frankly were well anyway um but no i i didn't need any more of that i play a lot of puzzle games i get my puzzle game fixed my puzzle games and uh it it didn't really um I, i didn't like the pacing of it um
0: See, I I just think it was such a wasted opportunity to have a game where one of the main protagonists and actually both characters you assume utilize an arrow, bow and arrow of some sort. And to have such a cool physics engine built for that, to not have any puzzles utilizing that, seems, I mean, I'm sure it's, I'm making it sound way easier than it is to program that in. But I, I just thought it was one of those things where, You see this in certain games where they'll introduce some cool puzzle elements early on, and then they just kind of abandon it all towards the end. It's just like now it's just action. Um, I'll bring up um, there's that game I played by Supergiant uh, did, did that transistor where they have this funny sequence where like literally like the second screen is you have to do some physics puzzle and then you do zero puzzles for the whole remainder of the game. It's almost just be like, there, we, we hit our quota. <laughs> Let's focus on the action. That's what you really want to see here. So, I definitely got a bit of sense of that with this one. Like, it, I didn't feel like I thought much once it gets into that second stretch of the game that we'll get to.
1: I, I could have seen it being really cool that it was something that you would have on your character and that you could just like equip into your hand and try to use. Um, but, like you said, Matt, that probably would have just made them have to think of more puzzles or more ways to get around things. And, you know, it seems like that game was a handful to begin with, but it would have been cool to see a rope mechanic, you know, some way to like throw it up, loop it down, tie it off, use it as a way to get up to certain spots. Um, so yeah, go, right go ahead, ahead, Matt, <laughs> Jinx, go for it, Matt. Um...
0: So yeah, obviously we all know what ends up happening with Joel, and then you are in a period of mourning, which obviously is going to lead to some slowdown in the gameplay. So, what do you gentlemen think of like these long stretches in the game where you're, for the lack of a better descriptor, basically playing a walking simulator?
1: Um, I, I, my opinion was that it was necessary in the sense. That you just had a really big turn in the way that the story was going. Um, You know, uh, a major character just died, the father figure for Ellie. Um, You figure out that that relationship uh, is much deeper uh, than what it seems like at that moment. And you find that out later on in the game. But it was it allows you to absorb the moment and get the reactions from the characters. Um, It didn't turn into all of a sudden a montage of Ellie strapping up with every weapon in the camp. And then with the final scene is her putting the last bullet into her bandolier and then like putting on the sunglasses. Um, it, It was something that you saw the emotional reflection because we didn't talk about it, but Ellie gets the Ellie gets, all right, so what happens is uh, Joel saves Abby. Abby realizes who he is, leads him into a trap with her group, and then Ellie comes and kind of figures out where he's at by following tracks, and then is witness to Abby beating Joel to death um, with the group, and then they spare her because um, basically they, they came to do what they wanted to do, and then and then, then that's when you get that exposition. Like, and I gotta say, like, it turns into walking similar only because after such a big event just happened, um, which really kind of shakes up the whole world of that game up to that point. You know, Joel's such a anchor point at this, and all of a sudden now he's gone, and they left Abby alive or Ellie alive. I'm sorry. So, you know, now it becomes she goes back to the town. You got to deal with Tommy. You got to deal with Dina, you know, you got to kind of figure out where everyone is. So it, it didn't bother me too much. Honestly, I felt pretty natural and it, it didn't push it to a point where I felt like it wasn't natural.
2: One of the things that I thought made this game really special was how the pacing and narratives ping pong all over the place. And those first three hours are a roller coaster. And even within that, it it is, it's all these different elements, and the gameplay is constantly shifting, your perspective is constantly changing, your emotions are going all over the place. But then all of a sudden it's this calm after this three-hour roller coaster. And they actually give you the option to make that walking simulator uh as you stay through Seattle a lot shorter. You don't have to go to all those different locations. But for me, I wanted to gobble up every little piece of this world. And um, holy cow. I mean, going into the bank and seeing all the money just sitting there and they would have no interest in taking it was such a cool. For me, that was just a really intelligent moment. Because in our world, any person you know who has millions of dollars just sitting there is going to be. But, but these two were born after dollar bills as currency even mattered so they're just looking at it like they don't even have that connection they just you know to them it's just a myth and then going to the record store and um having a moment of of quiet contemplation why they just you know enjoy each other's company and build build their um build their character development um i just love how this this game is just ping-ponging all over the place it it always keeps you on your toes and just when you're starting to get like like okay what's going on here all of a sudden they just completely flip it and everything changes
0: yeah um I definitely did the same as you Jack like I, I I'm a sucker I'm gonna look for every nook and cranny I can possibly do and the game rewards you for it certainly um the Seattle world I appreciated more the second go around the first time i saw it um and partially because it's overrun and partially because um parts of the area just feel like any other city these days just because cities in general just kind of are blending in and looking similar to me um just that's just the way things are unfortunately in major metropolitan hubs Um, There weren't a lot of things that really felt distinct until I like took it at second glance and really appreciated what they were trying to convey or certain angles of the city they were conveying. Um, So it didn't jar me the first time. I appreciate it. I like the horse element. I thought that was kind of a neat little additional touch that made it um, a little faster, a little more fluid when you're going through hitting all those checkpoints. And you're right, Jack, I I think also, too, you know, it keeps you on your toes. I wish um, it didn't give you as much of a warning when you were entering into combat situations, because I think that it would have been kind of neat to get caught off guard in a few few more instances than you do. Other than there are a few kind of like scare scenes that that pop up throughout, especially if you're exploring. But um, I think it would have been kind of neat when you if you had your guard down throughout the city to have maybe some random encounters sprinkled in. But um, overall, as much as I talk shit about the idea of the walking simulator, um, I have to say it's also critical to really appreciating the world you're residing in because unlike most games, like like even a game like God of War that I've raved about and I love um, and thought was beautiful when I played it, I-, I can't visualize it nearly as well as I could uh, playing this one on the second go around, like I I distinctly could remember every single scene. And I think a lot of that is because I had to experience it not only in combat, but also in the walking simulator kind of setting uh, with cinematics mixed in, which really just came to be the full impression of the world I resided in.
1: So in talking about Ellie's uh, Seattle Day One, which is like a distinct chapter in the game, uh, you know, goes Seattle day one and then that's what we're talking about as far as like walking on the horse and all that uh the, the whole gas gas canister part <laughs> really was the point where I was like oh man I just I really hope the game isn't full of these kind of moments you know where it's like the mandatory exp- exploration part of it where you had to go really search for things but it, it kind of starts building up like getting comfortable with fighting off uh, clickers and all the different infected uh, that you're gonna come across, even if they are in like really small batches, but you kind of, this is also the day where you get introduced to the wolves. Um, and then that's, that's where you kind of, I think have your big first fight is in a, I believe it's a library. No, it's an elementary school. So um, what did you guys feel about the human on human contact or fight? you know, as opposed to the first game in the second game.
2: The feelings I get from combat in this game were very similar to the first one in that I felt like you could have chopped half of it out of the game and I think I would have maybe enjoyed the game more. It just, one, I don't think the combat is anything revolutionary. As much as I love this game, uh, it feels very much just like a bunch of other stealth combat games I've played. And the fact that you just over and over again you run into these scenarios. And it's also for a game that, in so many ways sucks you into this world and makes you believe in it. It's almost kind of breaking my it's almost kind of world breaking that you're killing you've killed like a hundred people at a certain point. and it's like, well, how many guys are just running around the city waiting to get, you know, shanked by you from behind? <laughs> Um, so I actually, um, I thought the combat was enjoyable, but a little bit, uh, over, over, overused, I guess is the way I'd put it.
0: I agree completely. Um, I actually, we'll, we'll get into that more when we focus on the plot, but like one of the things that really actually hurt my opinion on this game, the first go around was the body count you put up in that first segment just because it, it's so ridiculous at a certain point where it's like, dude, it's, yeah, I mean, I know how much he means to you, but you literally have murdered like at least 40 people and their dogs. So um, I also felt like too, like I appreciated the first go around more because uh, with that one, I was trying to focus more in a kind of like you were saying, Jack, treat it like more of a stealth oriented game. The second go around I did on new game plus. So I had all my weapons early on. So I wanted to play more like Dave where you, you actually get to use the fun, fun weapons and stuff. And it made me realize actually how shitty the combat is because it's really easy to hide. Like it's really easy to get them all riled up. In the first time I played it, like I was so focused on the stealth one that I basically felt like it was game over if they spotted me because they just swarm you and all that because the AI is decent where they punish you if you get spotted. But the second go around, I realized like how easy it is. Like if you can get into like tall grass or something like that to just have them lose you. And then they go back to their normal patrols. And, and when you it's you're so OP to begin with, when you're doing the stealth moves that it was just, it really removed that level of immersion for me. Whereas I, I, again, to, to allude to another metal gear game, like I was hoping This was going to be a little more like Metal Gear Solid uh, 4, I believe it was the one where they removed like pretty much any component of like cover and like that was the whole point was you have to constantly be running because there's nowhere you can really like be stationary and wait out like patrols and whatnot. You have to like always be hunting for a different route and I was really hoping it was more like that and I thought it was but second go around it's it's not even
1: close. It's pretty basic stealth game um I I played it on chicken mode so not only did I play it on chicken mode but I saw a video of someone who had mastered the combat in that game and mastered it on like the hardest difficulty and it was really impressive to watch um how good he was with his headshots like so he got really good at understanding where to aim but then also really good at using smoke bombs or throwing the bricks in the bottles. And so having played it on (laughs) easy, I was like, I'm gonna start practicing this like full on commando mode gameplay. So I started appreciating it more than the first one actually because I think the first one is so much more uh, infected based that uh, that's basically suicide to try to approach that group of enemies like that. But with the humans, you could definitely try to let loose you know, a lot of running around and hiding, like you said. Um, so for me, I think that kind of perked it up, you know, where I was, I was starting to feel comfortable with how combat works in that game because of that. Um, but like I said, I also played it on chicken. So I can't, I can't really say I gave myself too much of a challenge. Um, basically, the rest of day one goes that you know you get the gas uh you're getting chased away by the wolves you kill a lot of them you get to a theater in seattle i'm guessing it's a paramount not quite but yeah i think it's a paramount
0: that's definitely
1: the paramount yeah so you get to a paramount and then you get to a really cool scene between joel and ellie and I think this is something that uh Jack really appreciates. So I'll let him run away with it.
2: Oh, hmm. uh, yeah, putting me on the spot. Well, I think um I have to back up a little bit to explain why this scene meant so much to me. And that's because at this point in the game, Ellie was making me feel claustrophobic. I was it was it was she was such a negative presence. She's got this fun, cute, lovable girlfriend who's just wants to do everything for her. And she's, you know, and she's just killing everybody. Doesn't give a shit about anything. And it really is just, it's difficult to enjoy the game at this point. I was still fully invested, but I wasn't having fun and something needed to change. And that's when you get the flashback to her and Joel back before she lost all sense of happiness in the world. Um, having this, basically this day trip together where he has this beautiful uh, birthday plan for her. And they have all these flashbacks to the original game where in the original game, he promised to, to teach her how to swim. And she talks about how much she loves uh, dinosaurs and space in it. And he's got this day just perfectly suited for that. And, they go on this adventure together and they um, they jump in the water and all of a sudden you feel like their their chemistry everything that they had in the first game that you don't get a second of in this game well no you do get a second you get the you get the opening where he plays the guitar for her and and that's it and then they cut it out and all of a sudden they hate each other and then he's dead and um and i felt so starved for not being able to experience that relationship they had in the first game, which in my mind has just been built up into like, you know, infamy at this point for how special it was. And they give it to you. And you, you think he's dead? Well, he is dead, but you you think he's gone and all of a sudden they bring him back and it was so rewarding. Um, and then they go into this museum and you get to interact with dinosaurs. And I can't, I can't give it words, but anybody who's played it, if, if you didn't feel, a powerful emotional connection to those two at this point when he puts the headphones on her and she's in the spaceship there's something wrong with you <laughs> and i don't care you can hate this game for a lot of reasons but if you didn't feel something at that moment you're just dead inside looking at you matt <laughs>
0: I, you keep always accusing me of hating this game. The exact quote, and I'm going to play it at the beginning of this episode, was not that I hated this game. It was that I've seen Schindler's List. Schindler's List is an amazing movie. One of the most powerful emotional things I've ever experienced. I've seen Rocky four a hell of a lot more times. That's very much how I feel with my video games. I've played this one twice now. It is the emotional roller coaster. It kicks you in the junk relentlessly throughout <laughs> the entire experience. It moves me in ways I didn't know I would. I'm glad you mentioned this one, Jack, because actually I for- I didn't realize how much I was touched by that sequence that you're describing until I replayed it and actually realized like, that she was kind of wrestling with this realization That, you know, she's not only becoming an adult, but also that like she potentially has the cure for humanity's woes like pulsing through her veins. So um, that was such a cool sequence to kind of convey this like, you know, preteen kind of like, you know, the world is your oyster. And like, what are you going to do with your life? And then it also cuts back to what she's doing is butchering a bunch of people in Seattle to get revenge for this crusty old man that's been lugging her across the country. But... No, it's an amazing experience. It's wonderful. But at the same time, it certainly is a game you have to be prepared for those perpetual slowdowns. Because that's the other thing, too, is the gameplay is relentless and action-oriented. Like I appreciate how Dave played it in a lot of ways because I think that in some ways, it's intended to almost be that at times, that you are supposed to chew through things. You are supposed to beat and shit.
2: Well, you say slowdown, but I actually had the opposite... I, I was feeling slogged down at that point. I just felt like it was the same combat over and over. It was the same. Like I said, Ellie was just so unlikable. And for them to have that, yes, it's a walking simulator, but it just delivered everything I needed on an emotional level to to progress through the story. <laughs> and without it, I, I really don't think I'd feel the same way about this game because it would have just been too much because it was already borderline too much.
0: And I'm glad you say that, because this is precisely why we're discussing it as two separate sections with plot and gameplay elements, because it is fascinating to view the two kind of removed from one another. Because for me, looking at purely as a game, sometimes when you get home from work and you don't really want to slog through a story mission, sometimes you just want to go through and bash heads with, you know, a pool cue with like some scissors duct tape to them or whatever the hell weapons you're conceiving of in this game. So, uh, but definitely I agree. Like they conveyed so much of that emotional connection. That one I thought was pretty amazing. Uh, I actually wanted to bring up a different flashback that occurs. We can kind of bounce around, but again, the focus is mainly on gameplay here, but uh, Jack, what'd you think about the flashback in the hotel with Joel?
2: um hotel
0: it's the one that begins when uh Tommy is teaching her how to use the sniper rifle
2: oh. it's like day it's
0: day
1: 2 chapter
2: yeah well you're talking about when when they have basically they have the confrontation um i thought it was incredibly depressing powerful um it definitely it explained a lot i mean at this point they have all these things that are unsaid and that scene basically lets us the viewer understand why ellie is so conflicted in all these different ways
0: the only reason i bring it up is because the setting is so similar to ones you see in days gone and it cracked me up at one flashback sequence essentially convey that world only 20 times better than all of days gone in one (laughs) and mind you i enjoyed playing days gone very very much but number four game of the year for me (laughs) but just the world that they managed to build in the last of us two in that one maybe half an hour action sequence was more or less the exact same thing only 20 times more emotionally powerful and way more interesting and compelling all around so
2: to be honest, I, I don't have the same, uh, that, that scene did not have nearly the same impact as as a couple other uh, walking simulators in this game did. Um, but how about you, Dave? Did, did How did you feel about the uh, pacing and, and gameplay of when they switched it up and started uh, having you basically talk and walk for an hour?
1: Um, like I said, I, I didn't mind it because I was getting more depth into the character i was getting into the headspace of the character um, i got the moment where joel puts her into that into the space shuttle and actually like shakes the thing to give her the effect that she's taken off uh, that i i was lucky to find out that i have the soul because that was a moment it was genuinely like wow this is magical and you know I think this is such a great thing that he did for her and really shows her, her love. Uh, so n- not too much of that really bothered me. I mean, I am going to move on to day two because that's where we're at. But, you know, it was the the walking part I knew was just part of the story. You're going to have to get used to the setting. You're going to have to get used to what you can break into and all that kind of stuff. So for me, it, it did slow it down a little bit, but not enough for me to freak out because I think, once you realize how the, the levels are all set up, you kind of start to anticipate when you're coming to the close of what you're doing currently at the moment, and you're gonna jump into it like maybe a cut scene, and then you're gonna pick up your adventure. So it never really bothered me too much. Um, I think day two though is where it really kind of starts to pick up as far as the action. I think it's a lot less walking simulators. Uh, this involves your first meeting with the Seraphites Um, when you're going to St. Mary's Hospital, um, to what I think really is like going to be a pretty pertinent moment for uh, the game. But basically, you get introduced to another set of villains, uh, the Seraphites, and you can see that um, they're a much different villain than what you faced off before. They use a lot of audible cues. Uh, They're all dressed in the same manner. Um, They all for the most part, have melee weapons or arrows. Uh, Not too many of them, I believe, are armed with guns. And it's pretty interesting squaring off against them because they use these whistling sounds. And the first time I believe you fight them is in a field. You crawl into some ferns, uh, you kind of see what they've done, but then you really get to square up against them. So uh, playing it on easy, it wasn't too much of a challenge for me. So it was easy for me to kind of sneak around and just see how they react to things.
2: I would just say I was very disappointed by the AI of the Seraphites. I played it on normal difficulty and it was just disappointing how easy it was to dispatch those guys. The whistling was cool. like The feeling of them was danger, which is why it made it all the more disappointing when I... Wander through four feet of grass and just one by one just killed them. I I don't know I I I was pretty disappointed by the AI of those of that particular enemy
1: I uh, Did did a little bit of video watching and someone decoded all the whistles. So uh, when they whistle in game there's a meaning to it such as Hey, I've spotted something or someone's not answering something is you know weird So I I just thought that that was extra clever to introduce that kind of mechanic into your enemy. Uh, You eventually get to a hospital.
2: If only they had made the enemies actually more clever instead of their whistling more clever, I think I would have liked them more. Uh,
1: You kind of get up to um, a major character coming up in the hospital. What did you think about the part coming up Matt, as far as the hospital playing the Seraphites.
0: I agree completely with Jack. I think the the areas where you face the Seraphites, you typically have way too much cover to make it any of a challenge. And it's so easy to evade them. Um, the hardest part with them, honestly, is that they they can hit you pretty quick if you get spotted. That's the that's one positive, but um, they are intimidating. Uh, they were really cool. I remember seeing them in the trailer before I even played the game and thought uh, they were super intimidating. Um, I th- believe uh, you gentlemen might know, but uh, is that supposed to be Pioneer Square that you first interact with them in? I want to say it is. It, it, whatever it is, it's completely overgrown, so it doesn't matter. But um, unique settings, but... Pretty pitiful enemies.
2: Are right, David? Are you alluding to the hospital,
1: St. Mary's? Yeah, that's where you uh, you go after Nora. Yeah, who's yeah. I, well, I I gotta I gotta ask. Sorry to interrupt. In the first game, <clears throat> did you ever feel there was an overabundance of moments where you were chasing someone, where it was a, a chasing? Cause I can't really recall too many, but you know, this is where, when this became that I kinda, I kinda was like, oh man, I hope there's not too many of these two in this game. But I, I think it ended up really well, to be honest. And I'll let Jack take away. <laughs> he looks like he has something to oh, say. But... Uh,
2: no, I was just gonna say, once again, I just, I love how this game constantly changes the pace. And in this scene, you, you know, you spend all this time stealthing around. And to have it break out into this action sequence where you're chasing, it just, I, I felt like it was a great change of pace. And it also had a fair amount of, um, you know, emotional impact because you're hunting this person down um, and it, it gets pretty intense.
0: Yeah, I actually didn't mind it. I mean, it definitely felt more like Uncharted than it felt like Last of Us. But, um, you know, it does break it up and even uh there's another sequence we'll get to coming up here when uh you first meet jesse that uh is another complete gameplay loop that or not i shouldn't say loop but throws you for a loop um that you know i I can't say i disliked it just because you know after going through the other slog of the normal game it was nice getting something that just kind of throws you awry and makes you do something different
2: yeah um well you're talking about where you have to battle through that area thinking that you're gonna run into tommy and all of a sudden they throw the switcheroo at you that it's been jesse going around um doing work for a a good chunk of this time i think that's one of the most important um gameplay action scenes of the game because unlike the majority of the game i felt like it was ridiculously hard Uh, maybe matt you had a different experience i got my butt kicked trying to um, go through this area to the point where I started to get really frustrated. And it actually kind of tied into, uh, how I felt about Ellie's character. I was, I was so, I was so ticked off because she just was so pissed off and trying to kill everybody all the time. I didn't understand it, but the gameplay of this scene actually made me relate to her because I got killed over and over again and it made me want to kill them and then all of a sudden I could identify with her character which is so important um and then just as that is accomplished um you get this awesome scene where you run into Jesse but um how about you Matt did did you have any um did you have any uh similar feelings with this scene
0: I didn't get that frustrated but I know exactly what you're talking about uh for me it was that, that was what I thought initially the cover system was where it's so multi-layered and tiered. And, and it seems like no matter where you go to evade, there's like somebody who's at the right angle to spot you like mm-hmm. that actually was what I was hoping the stealth was going to be in this game throughout. Um, and it turns out it's really only a few sequences. And this one was done. I thought very well in that regard. Um, the part I'm really talking about, like I thought it was super cool getting to pair up with Jesse for a minute just because I think he's such a badass, as we've alluded to before.
2: Well, that action scene is fucking awesome as you jump in the car. And you're like, you know, I mean, it's it's just so fast paced and fun. Um,
0: not yeah, a dog, yeah. That's what I was saying. Dog
2: just makes the best goddamn action set pieces. And uh, I mean, one of the complaints I had about Uncharted 4 is they kind of pulled away from those but they they freaking deliver them in this game and um that car chase scene is spectacular and then yeah you finally get introduced to um a character i would like to talk more about in part two of our podcast uh jesse uh, you get re you get reintroduced to him after after uh you guys departed ways in the beginning
0: yeah so quite the welcome like Kind of, we were just talking, Dave, the uh, truck sequence uh, when you escape with Jesse. Uh, what did you think of that? Like, did you, did you enjoy the combat when you were in that, that whole action piece? Or uh, did that take you out of the game?
1: No, I loved it. I, I thought it was really good to add that in, to kind of break up the monotony of you sneaking around and murdering a bunch of wolves. Uh, and, and to see Jesse and then to go through that adventure with him was it was
2: exciting. I liked it. I got to say, I'm, I'm jumping forward a little bit, but I liked it a hell of a lot more than the car chase scene in, in Act 2 of the game, which I felt was borderline ridiculous with how many assholes are jumping out of left and right as they're going like 80 miles an hour down the road. <laughs> but um, but this one I, I fully bought into.
0: Yeah, th- this one was i i can't say realistic because they're both absolutely batshit insane arcade style <laughs> gameplay but uh that second one felt much more generic uh it, it felt like if you played any game where you're driving around yeah. trying to shoot enemies on horseback uh you've probably experienced it oh yeah you're right it was horse
2: <laughs> Yeah. okay my apologies but that's how bad it was i forgot
1: so uh was there anything else in this chapter that really stood out? This is this is the last chapter where you play as Ellie, uh, in the game. So, is there anything? I mean, else that like, <laughs> I can think of a couple things. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, okay. So you get to the aquarium, and, and that's where it really goes. This, this is where you kind of like, we we all talked about this podcast before we started it, and it was how blurry these lines are between what we're discussing in part one and not wanting to address it too much so that we have something for part two. But I feel like this aquarium's part of the level really is where it gets really hard to blend the, to, to separate the two parts to it. So, but um, the aquarium scene is pretty big, I would say, wouldn't you agree?
2: Big is a tough way of looking at it. It's, uh, it's dark and frustrating. It, mm, it's difficult. Um, you know, it's, it's violent in a way that a bunch of walking around shanking people (laughs) is not, um, but I mean, just the fact that she's pregnant and, um, they pretty much get ambushed. And, um, you know, it's Ellie at her absolute most vengeful and, you know, we'll talk more about that in the second part of the podcast, but, um, what I will say is, um, it's just very dark and, and, and just, it's, it's a, it brings, it just brings a shadow over the game.
0: I think it was a missed opportunity for everything you just said, Jack. And uh, the reason I say that is I think that the part that is supposed to be so critical to the plot of that is that it was an accident that that occurred um she she went there with the worst of intentions and she probably was going to kill owen no matter what but she would not you could argue that she wouldn't have killed mel had she known she was pregnant i think that this would have been a perfect opportunity rather than rely on cinematics though to actually let you be in control and have you feel like you assume full responsibility for what you just did because you instinctually see an enemy attack you and you do what you do in a video game and for you the player to have to experience that much like the character in the game i thought that would have been uh, added to it but i think maybe they looked at it from a taste perspective of you know we don't necessarily want to force people to have to endure that because i know that other video games such as like grand theft auto 5 have gotten some flack for forcing players to do something that was so hyper violent that you know, they may have not necessarily agreed to it. So um, I I just think it would have been a really neat twist to add the actual gameplay function in this instance rather than just rely on the movie to tell the tale.
2: I did not uh, have that thought at all, but uh, when you say it, I I actually think that's a brilliant idea. I think that would have been um, a really, it would have definitely added to the resonance of the moment. Um, Yeah.
1: And then um, this this chapter is capped off with a doozy. So after the aquarium and much pondering, Ellie finds herself back at theater um, with Jesse. Uh, You find out that Dina is pregnant through all this. So for most of Ellie's time spent in Seattle, day two and three, day three, Dina's not in the game too much. Uh, (laughs) And then you hear some noises and you go to investigate. Uh, We lose a beloved character um (laughs) it's a damn shame (laughs) but we finally had one dave they took him from us (laughs) (laughs) look what he did to my boy or she i guess is what i should say but uh what a crack shot either way the whole ellie's chapter as far as i guess the main core of her gameplay is uh capped off with uh ellie Oh, you do find Tommy, too, at some point during this chapter. So, um, you well, find... Yes.
2: There's there's the line. It's, uh, how does it go? It's, um, we let you live and you wasted it. Yeah. What did you guys think about that line? It's it was said summarized...
1: by Abby, by the way, just in case. Abby's got Tommy...
2: if if you've gotten this far and you don't know that's
0: (laughs) (laughs) um no that that perfectly illustrated what you've alluded to uh throughout this recording jack that 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 line was why it was so infuriating for me to play as ellie in this first segment uh was just kind of like the whole time that's kind of what i was thinking was just like dude like you've I, you've made your point. <laughs> like you, I think we're getting pretty close to feeling like you've you've balanced things out. The universe will, will continue to move on in this shit world you exist in. Um, but yeah, I, I thought that was really powerful though, an amazing way to kick off the second half of the game. Um, as we're kind of skewing though two more into these more plot heavy segments, like let's focus more on the how, how would you feel as a character? portraying Abby as you did to Ellie like did you feel like there was a shift in the way you played or did you feel you know obviously her stature she's much more you know like built to seemingly take on like hand-to-hand combat and whatnot like did you feel like you were playing as a different character as a whole or did you feel like it was just a reskin and you were just going through the gameplay as usual
1: uh, I felt a significant difference in between the gameplay. Uh, significantly, Ellie has what I call the infinite shank. It never breaks. It it, it was my favorite weapon playing as her because it's just, for me, it was just kind of quicker and a little bit more fun to run up and shank someone.
2: I gotta point out though that um, yes, you do have the infinite shank and Abby has it. but as long as we're talking strictly gameplay, um. Can I just point out the fact that for a game that it's so important to have stealth kills, there's one, there's one, seriously one way you do it. There's there's no other graphics. Like literally, you do the same thing over and over and over again. Like, I mean, we're talking fifteen years ago, uh, the Rockstar game, um, Manhunt. Manhunt. You had like thirty ways of killing fools. You get one for each character. I I think that is a. Um, I'm just gonna say it. I think it's a huge flaw in the game.
0: <laughs> I I agree because also there's actually like a ton of different ways that you use the wet melee weapons that you get. Like if you kill your uh, opponents with that, like they do all sorts of crazy like fucked up shit to them. But if you actually do the stealth way, which is arguably the way you're supposed to play the game it's the same boring sequence over and over again
2: it's exciting the first time but i mean you have to see it like 60 times if you're any good at the game anyway
1: <laughs> dave thoughts it, yeah it got me significantly depressed <laughs> <playing> the <that laughs> game because <laughs> i was even explaining to someone at uh, my job i was who had played the first one on my word so was, you need to play a second one but uh <laughs> It's so like, this shit's so depressing, man. Like, you don't know how many people I've <laughs> stabbed in the neck. <laughs> it's just... I mean, shooting someone from, like, 30 feet away, you know you killed someone, but yeah, their body's over there, whatever, you go loot it. But, man, this is way too intimate. <laughs> it, it led to some PTSD for me, to be honest, as far as the gaming world goes. But, uh, but- I, I felt like Abby definitely... The mechanics didn't really change too much, right? Guys, a gun's a gun, uh, a brick's still a brick and a knife's still a knife. But I felt it was interesting that you had to rely more on your resources with Abby because she didn't have the um, the infinite shank. And also the weapons are a bit different. I mean, the shotgun's still a shotgun, but uh, Abby had the double barrel, whereas Ellie had the pump. And uh, I wanna say, I believe the rifles were different. Yeah, Abby had a assault rifle, whereas Ellie carried more of a hunting rifle. So there was some small changes in that aspect, but I didn't really think too much. I felt like the melee kind of stuff changed significantly with Abby versus Ellie. With Abby, the first time I got into close quarter combat with an infected person, I ended up doing the melee kill. She (laughs) takes the thing's head and just slams it into a shelf until it just slumps down to the ground. I remember I believe Jack was on the mic with me and I was like, oh, yeah, (laughs) plumber smash. So (laughs) I definitely was excited that, you know, I had this like tank of a character to, to roll around with. I like. The, Go ahead, Jack.
2: I like the feeling of Abby a lot. It was a different beast, and she just felt so much more deadly. She felt so much more powerful, and they did that in two ways. One, they did it in the hand-to-hand combat, but two, the guns that you gave her. I mean, you know, realistically, you can handle a lot more recoil when you're that when you're that powerful, and running around with that shotgun was so damn satisfying.
0: Yeah, no, I'll echo that. I, I thought she's she's actually one of my favorite female protagonists uh, in gaming currently. Uh, just I like the design. I thought just like she was badass. It harkened back to uh, characters we grew up with, you know, the Ripley's and the Vasquez's of aliens and whatnot, just kind of, you know, more than capable and follows through in every way. Um, and it's a bit unfortunate, like the, the gun's, That she gets are tremendously powerful, but um, I wish that they had it uh, structured a bit more to where she could chew through things a bit more because ultimately I ended up playing almost exactly the same way as I did with Ellie. Um, Oh, really?
2: Huh. I didn't have that experience. I I did feel like I was chewing through stuff with that shotgun.
0: I I felt like I I didn't have to rely on it as much, but I felt like I just defaulted to the stealth in, in both instances. That that's more so. I meant like I, I was hoping there would be a few more set pieces where it was just orchestrated to have her just go and wreck shit. Um, but yeah, I digress. Uh, any other thoughts on Abby's gameplay introduction? Because we alluded to that little uh, horse chase, which I don't know if we really need to talk much more on.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, um, absolutely. I want to talk about Abby's introduction, and that's not just Abby's introduction, but the her whole world and that is fucking Central league Stadium it is amazing and the wet dream of any guy who's been freaking following post post-apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic settings for the last two decades i I just I was blown away by that stadium what did you guys think?
0: That was the one I couldn't talk to you assholes about for like two years. Because <laughs> it was like, I remember specifically you had asked me, what do you think about Seattle is saying? I was like, eh, it's all right. But it was like intentionally having to kind of censor that one because it's such a big reveal. Um, was just like that, that sequence too means a lot to me, actually. Um, particularly because we mentioned this in a recording a long while back. Uh, when we were talking about, I believe it was deaths in video games, um, because the way that sequence plays out when you're walking through the stadium, not only is it such an amazing set piece, but you're encountering every character that you butchered as Ellie throughout the way. And Dave, I had told you about this before. Like, there's two dogs in this game that have some pretty horror horrific endings. And there's the one that's actually like, the major po- plot piece, uh, Alice. Uh, yeah. yeah, Alice. That's the one everyone remembers. But there's another one. I and I can't re- bear is his name. And the only reason it stands out is because he's the other one, in the pen. When you get Alice, that wants to play fetch with you. And when you're playing the game, when you when you encounter Bear, it's just this background thing. But you when you kill him, if you're spotted by somebody, you'll actually hear them yell out his name. And it stuck with me the first time I played with it so much because I'll never forget. It's like that moment where you hear this character scream in the background, you don't really think much of it. And then you're stuck in the stadium, like seeing all these specters essentially and just like realizing it's like, Oh, this sweet dog I'm playing catch with is the one that just hours earlier is Ellie. I just like gave the most brutal finish to. So, uh, Yeah, like I said, there's there's a sequence, again, Metal Gear game, Metal Gear Solid 3, where you encounter all the enemies you killed up until a certain point uh, in this one river. Uh, It's it's supposed to recreate a nightmare. And the whole point of it being that it's a game you can play without killing anybody. So if you play it the right way, the the level basically ends because there's nothing to encounter. But if you play it like an asshole like me or Dave and you go through and you kill everybody, it's all of a sudden this 20-minute slog through all these zombies. So uh, with this one, it was more just the moral like feeling of like just basically feeling like a pile of shit as you wade through these people as they go through their day-to-day life, having no idea what's about to come upon them.
1: Uh, I love the stadium. I love the fact that they had turned all the booths into rooms. Uh, I love the fact that they had transitioned and ripped out a lot of the stadium seating to turn it into basically aisles of stores or restaurants or any of that kind of stuff. I felt it was amazing that they had this whole, like I said, with Jack, you know, with the town that you first start off in, I was amazed at the fact that people were able to organize into a functioning society with like a pretty impressive setup. And that was something that the stadium was. Uh, was able to to also shine as opposed to the town. Um, you also get introduced to Manny, who is Ali's like kind of sidekick in a manner. A uh, pretty cool dude. You get to see him walk as he's walking through. You kind of you kind of understand that he's a bit of a playboy when it comes to the stadium. So. Uh, Which was pretty cool, but that all ends up becoming a walking simulator in the sense that it's just kind of introducing you to a whole different side of the game. So, but the stadium was amazing and uh, seeing those dogs and playing with them was miserable because that was another depressing aspect to Ellie's gameplay was not only was I stabbing everyone in the neck, uh, I was also shooting dogs. So <laughs> not exactly the finest moments in my uh gameplay life. So
2: my my wife was sitting next to me when I let Alice out of the uh cage and I just started giggling hysterically and be like, This is so fucked up. She's <laughs> like, What are you talking about? Like, I just killed this dog like an hour ago. <laughs> she just didn't get it. She's like looking at me like I'm a weirdo, but I was just I mean, I was traumatized. So I was like, God damn it. Like, this is so fucked. Like Manny is so like, I, anyway, we shouldn't get more into this because it really, I think we can tackle it more in part two. But uh, the, the bottom line is uh, there's so much detail in that world. It's so creative and it all, um, it all lends into the world building. It really helps the fact that I killed 100 guys in part one it doesn't make it believable, but it makes it more believable when you see how huge this this uh, civilization is. It doesn't, when I first went into Seattle, I just assumed it was a bunch of yokels running around, but then you get introduced to the stadium. It's like, whoa, this is not, this is not just some, you know, guys hanging out in some abandoned buildings. This is a culture and uh, yeah.
0: So let's talk about some of the other aspects of the gameplay, like uh, for instance, uh, the, because we've kind of touched on the fact that both characters while you can play them slightly differently like for the most part the gameplay doesn't change a tremendous amount between the two so what do we think about like the safes for instance like did you enjoy those jack i know you're the puzzle guy like did you feel like that added any element to the gameplay or was it just a minor irritant to basically force you to jump through some hoops to get some more ammo
2: uh, there was a couple creative ones. I really liked when you found the uh, phone number on the wall. I thought that was fun. Uh, for the most part, it didn't really add anything, but I wasn't annoyed by it either. Um, they typically were easy enough that I didn't get pissed off. Uh, I missed a bunch of them. Uh, I didn't even realize I missed a bunch of them because I thought I was being somewhat careful. But um, when I this game was all said and done, I looked at the collectibles. I was like, oh, I only got like half of those, so yeah.
1: Uh- I didn't they didn't really bother me too much uh, you can hear them click so if you really want to spend the time and effort into them I think I think I got what I came across but I wasn't really searching them out um, but the ones I found most of the time they were a pretty big boon but when you're playing it on chicken shit easy level difficulty <laughs> resources keep pouring in there's a lot of times where I just couldn't pick up stuff so
2: I don't remember them clicking. I wonder if that's like an easy mode thing. <laughs> I had to go like search it all over the place. Like teams <laughs> up there with the fucking like earpiece.
1: Poor <laughs> code. Try it. Try it. You can hear it click. I, mean, I can attest. That. You can
0: hear it click if you get the right numbers. But...
2: I stand corrected.
0: I also am not nearly as well versed in the ship bucket ways to sit there and click through the nine hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine different combos it takes to get
1: that. So, uh, I'm, um, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jack.
0: No, I, I was just going to say the only reason I ask is because a lot of those are tied to actual the booklets and scattered notes you find throughout the game, and I don't know how much of those you gentlemen paid attention to as you were navigating the world of Us
1: 2. I I love the comic cards because they really reminded me of, I believe, Fleer or Topps comic, Marvel comic cards from back in the day. And they were designed to mimic a certain specific year. And when I saw those, that, that brought back a lot of happy memories. And I got really excited in trying to collect as many of those as I could. And I read the back's. You know, and they looked exactly like they did in my childhood. So I was kind of freaking amazed by it, to be honest. Uh, Abby's collection is uh, quarters. <laughs> it's horrible.
2: Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to break this today, but <laughs> I guess that's the problem with playing these games back to back, which is something we talked about. Is that? Is oh, is that the first, the first
1: game? game? No, no. The comic cards are the second game. The first game is comic books
2: am i mistaken about this yeah i apologize i was laughing at dave because i uh i i remember i you know i played the the uh first one a couple weeks after the second one so
1: yeah um, the second one is ellie you're picking up cards and one of the characters is dr uckman which is a easter egg for a drugman and so yeah
0: yeah, I know exactly the uh, Marvel cards you're talking about there, Dave. Uh, so I'm glad you mentioned that because it, it was a specific art style sp- chosen for that reason, I believe. So, And I thought those were uh, boring and I didn't, <laughs> didn't care about them, but I wasn't
2: into it as a kid. So maybe that was it. Um, yeah, the collectibles, did you guys really kind of target those or was it more just kind of like you ran into them as you ran into them?
0: I like I said, anytime I play these naughty dog games, I end up spending way too much time like checking every nook and cranny just because I know that's how they like to scatter shit around. Um the Uncharted games in particular just remember notorious for having medallions scattered throughout all the weirdest areas in the map. So um this one I, I can't say that I went seeking, but I definitely found a higher percentage than um you know, I anticipated when I first started playing the game.
2: I, um,
1: go ahead, Jack. I'm Well, I'm going to kind of try to push it so I don't want to interrupt what you're going to have to say.
2: Oh, I was just going to say, I I love the uh, the notebook that Ellie kept. I thought it just kind of brought you into her mind a little bit more. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I I thought that was a great touch too just because it, it allowed you the opportunity to skip the other notes and not feel like you're really missing the important parts like the notes do some interesting world building but um i personally i feel like if you've taken in any other zombie universe it's more or less the same shit so
1: I, i liked how i kind of filled in some blanks here and there with some of her days um but yeah otherwise i felt it annoying that i had to Hit a button to register that she needed to put something in there, and then I had to hit the touchpad to open that. I was just like, "Oh, it's so tedious," but I did it every time.
2: Oh, says says the guy who spent like twenty hours doing chores in Red Dead Redemption Two.
1: <laughs> I was building on her, Jack. <laughs> there was a reason I was doing that. Um, <laughs> I wanna bring up a important scene for day one on Abby, and that's a flashback to when Owen and her first discovered the aquarium, which with her dad being an animal lover was something that I think really kind of got her back into touching base with that part of her reality at the time. And then you get more introspect into Owen, uh, but it kind of turns into walking simulator again. Did you feel like that was something that really kind of choked up the gameplay for you at the time since as Abby, she's way more aggressive. There appears to be way more action going on in this one um, for it to slow down at that point. Uh, I'll personally, I liked it because it gave me more insight into this character. She had one other flashback uh, we didn't talk about and that was with her father Owen and her and that's how you get introduced to Owen. Being a major character in Abby's life, but then you get this flashback, where you, you see it's after the fact that um, Joel had killed Abby's father, and now they're at this aquarium where Joel has declared it his, uh, or Owen has declared it his like own fiefdom. Do you have any opinions on it, Matt?
0: Important for the finale of the game, not terribly compelling to me. Um, I think. There's parts of Ellie's tale, or Abby's tale, I should say, that um, definitely kind of don't match what I feel like the overall theme of the the game is. Uh, The romance with Owen being one of them, I think it's actually more distracting in a lot of ways than than it was kind of unnecessary, to be perfectly honest. Uh, Just my opinion on it. Um, But I'm also the, the guy, too, kind of felt similar with the relationship even with Dina and uh, Ellie as well. Just I, I just felt as good as they acted the dialogue and and seemed natural the way they were talking. I just the moments of flirtation or whatnot in that world that they're existing in just were really kind of hard to absorb for me personally.
2: Um, that scene is probably the second most important. As far as I'm concerned, in the game, I absolutely loved it, and um, the comparison I would give it is, is it's basically Ellie and Joel's um, walkthrough in the in the first in the first act. Matt, if if it didn't uh, kind of connect with you, I, I can see that. Um, the characters, uh, particularly Owen, I don't think he's very likable. But what I do think it does, one, is just this beautiful moment of peace and tranquility and all this madness and i think it's really sneaky seductive in that you're drawn into this into this world in the silk where they're having this moment but then the cracks start to appear and you start to understand how damaged abby is and the fact that she can't have this relationship with owen because she's so just her mind is just dominated by this past event that has controlled her and how, how sneaky it is and and how it kind of winds down that path as you go through this beautiful setting and you think it's one thing and then it's, it's a completely different thing. Uh, I thought that was just beautiful story writing and really added to the, um, to the weight of who Abby is, although, um, Owen is not. A very likable character.
0: (laughs) I'll give you that, Jack. I I think that's well said. And uh, I I agree wholeheartedly. I think a big part of what makes this game so compelling and why we're dedicating so much time to discussing it is because it's so unique for a video game. Um, I've never experienced anything take this medium and really push it to levels that you see in in others such as movies or books like they're in I I would even strongly argue that maybe if this was just purely a movie or purely a book I would think it's one of the greatest things I've ever experienced but because it's a video game and there's the part we're discussing the gameplay element that sometimes it's hard for me to fully I haven't quite gotten to the realm where I can fully embrace taking in these really subtle narrative cues and i, and I appreciate you bringing that up jack because that's a, that's a fantastic point that it's that's really what it's trying to convey is that here's a situation where this relationship should be just fine at, you know in many ways particularly for this horrible universe they reside in but the reality is abby's just never going to let it go and they have so much subtlety to how they convey that that Rather than do it, the heavy handed video game approach, which you, you bo- guys had both mentioned earlier in the recording of like the thought of like Ellie strapping up and loading up all the guns to go riding out to avenge Joel. It doesn't do that. It, it gives you the slow walk of mourning and going through this melancholy trudge through Seattle. In this case, it's like this beautiful, you know, date, more or less, where these two characters have known each other for such a long time and they finally have peace and it's not good enough it's never going to be good enough
2: i also love how it's set beside the story where they track down the kids and the father figure and in the same vein it starts off as like this really cute like oh these this family's living in here and then it just gets dark and twisted as it gets, as they go further and further into the aquarium, just as their relationship does. So does this, this story. And I I love how that kind of um, those two things kind of develop together. I don't know. uh, I I was all in on that scene, but um, it's, it's jarring for how much it kind of pulls you into this different, into this different um, feeling. And I can see where a lot of people would not enjoy it.
1: Uh, that leads into what I feel like was a really fun part of the game and that was when the Seraphites capture Abby and um, she gets close to getting got. <clears throat> uh, she gets hung up and then there's a distraction and then that's when we're introduced to two new characters, uh, Len and can anyone recall Len's sister?
0: I can't recall Love Sister's name. All I know oh, is Lev, that I feel fault. so horrific for the fate of that character because that is a really horrific small character window of characterization in a video game that's just dreadful from point A
1: to point B. It's Yara. Sorry, but yeah, um, I I was pretty impressed by the whole thing, to be honest the fact
2: that it's gonna be tough to get into this because this really uh goes to character building and and how we feel about people it's kind of veering away from the gameplay elements of this um okay i just want to kind of toss that in there so we don't uh get too far down this pathway
0: so i, I guess that that's a great uh point and what do you boys think about the characters that playing alongside characters in the sequences that you do like did you appreciate the ai level did you feel like they were op um i definitely appreciated i'll say the Lev sequence because that reminded me the most of the earlier ones in god of war but um what did you gentlemen think
2: strictly from a gameplay i thought it was excellent um it's funny. Cause when I played the last of us one, I felt like Ellie was so much better than anything I did. And, and when I went back, she seemed so cumbersome and, and all and in, the way, but Dina and Lev and Yara, they, uh, they just contributed in a way that felt natural.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I appreciate that they actually seem to target uh, like compliment you in your combat rather than, just double up, gang up on things and you didn't really, you weren't in control of them at all. They were completely independent. So I, I actually really like the AI of your companions in this game. Dave, what did you think?
1: I appreciated uh, Love when Love was around a lot. I don't think she was quite as efficient as Ellie was when you were playing as Joel, but What's wrong?
0: No, I was um, just tr- thinking.
1: I was yeah. just, um, uh, It's only for a short moment that they're with you the on this part. One,
2: you played them in order, um, and I think that probably has a lot to do with how you feel about it. But for me, it was, it was, um, it was jarring how in the way Ellie was in the original one and how um, she really did not contribute very much compared to what I remember from, you know, years ago. But that's because I played the second one first and then revisited the first one. Um, and I, like I said, I just thought, uh, well, in particular, Dina, I just felt was incredibly useful. And I like I like the way they utilized her. I, I don't, you know, like um, they didn't have anything as sophisticated as like God of Wars system where you can actually, you know, um, utilize Atreus, is that his name? I can't remember, but you, boy, boy, you could utilize, you could utilize boy um, to like do different tasks for you. But I, I did think it was really well done.
0: Yeah, I, I was going to say, I definitely felt like they lent themselves to it. And I appreciate it on multiple different difficulties as well. Like it, it seemed to always be a welcome addition to the gameplay. Um, what did you think of the setting of the uh, Seraphite's home island? I guess that would be one of the
1: San Juans. Um. Uh, I liked it a lot. I thought it felt, it fit their culture, which was way more in tune with nature in a sense kind of disregarding what humanity had done up to that point. Um, Yeah, no, I was thoroughly impressed with uh, that that final village that you get in that fight with. So it was pretty good. I was actually pretty impressed with what they did considering they're all a bunch of religious fanatics to be honest, (laughs) so.
2: I actually, um, Probably one of my least favorite sections of the game was visiting that island. Uh, I didn't think it really had anything that exciting regarding it. Um, there's a couple of really cool action sequences. One, um, I got to experience Dave playing when he when Dave duked it out with the fucking just horror show beast Seraphite, who you like killed like seven times before he finally goes down. Dave, when you were playing that, and I was just like, you were like, oh my god, I just stabbed him through the cheek. I was like, oh, God, I remember this. Man, that was so much fun today. Do you remember, like, experiencing that fight?
1: Yeah, and I was like, how is this guy still alive? And you're like, oh, my God, man, he's an animal. (laughs) And I'm just like, I got a sickle through his left cheek, which is completely exposed. He's gotten stabbed in the back. (laughs) Like, I I just, it it was a really cool final boss, um, or at least a boss. Uh, We kind of skipped over the hospital for Abby.
2: I think we skipped over two big scenes. Uh, one being the hospital, because that is a completely different game in itself. And uh, I know Plumber enjoyed this scene quite a bit. So Plumber, can you just, how different that tone was than the rest of the game in the hospital?
1: Oh, almost a true horror game. And I, I want to say that in the sense that I felt like it had done a complete 180 from action adventure to putting you in a situation where you were kind of, at first I approached it as I would any other stealth aspect to this game until I got to the room where I heard the thing in the room. I knew I knew I was going to have to fight this. I did not anticipate what I would be fighting, but I liked it a lot. And it definitely set you up for that horror aspect because it's considered ground zero for the infection in Seattle. And that was actually, and this is part of why I love this game and I'm not going to go into it, that why Nora at the end of the chase scene or near the end of the chase scene and Ellie's aspect of the gameplay, why Nora was so... Concerned to not get pushed down there by Ellie, which is like, wait, 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 wait. Let's talk. Let's talk. I I have an idea about what's down there, and I don't want to be down there. And you, you you can actually hear in Ellie's gameplay, you can hear the it roaring in her side. So when you when you get there with Abby, you just kind of get this foreboding sense, and then I think you get one of the coolest villain reveals ever you find the item that you're looking for in this ambulance after having scoured around this uh bottom level of a hospital and you just hear it and you're like wait a minute and then Abby stops what she's doing in the ambulance she looks up because she knows she heard something and then she can just hear it stomping along the side Outside the ambulance, you just see her flashlight follow it for a little bit until she realizes to click it off. And then, bam, the Rack reveals himself. Man, what a fucking fight that was. It becomes a chase until you can finally square off against it. What'd you guys think about it?
0: Um, I enjoyed it. Um, I tend to hoard my equipment. So I pretty much just blasted it all shit but um i appreciated it because we didn't really get that um in the first game um like a true like boss you know uh i forget what they're called but the zombies so um it was it was neat that that setting is absolutely terrifying but it made all the much cooler playing as abby who's such a capable badass that you never feel scared because you know, whatever's going to pop up, you're just going to tear it to shit. So I loved it.
1: I felt like I was in uh, the hangar with the alien queen and I was Ripley in a sense, you know, that's just kind of how I felt initially with it. That thing killed me a good four to five times before I discovered I was running down the wrong way. And Uh I will tell you what the death animations that thing gives you is horrifying. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's one where he hits her and her head her neck breaks just from the impact but then he grabs the head and like pulls it off the shoulders to that one but the one I saw where it's like <sighs> I just was like oh my god I'm never going to get past this guy well
2: I loved it and that's because oh, I love the whole scene and that was because just what I keep going back to I love the way that this game just ping pongs It's all over the place. And the fact that they just threw a one-hour-long horror game into this absolute just, you know, collage of experiences, I just thought was fantastic. Um, But I'll segue that into I felt a real missed opportunity in another scene, and that is um, Abby and Lev have to go on this freaking crazy adventure. But I... Hated it because there's no urgency. You're still looking around for collectibles. There's You're still stopping to like kill every single person you run into. And it made me think back to Titanfall 2. And there was this incredible scene in Titanfall 2 where you have to rush out of this area. And it's every shot's a headshot. And you're just flying through this scene because you need to... You, you just need to move as fast as possible. And I thought it was a real missed opportunity that rather than create that gameplay element, they just stuck with the same plotting pace where they're going through these buildings and they're moving along. And um, that really, uh, really bugged me. And um,
0: That's fair. Um, like I said, I feel like Yara's entire existence in that game is incredibly tragic uh, to the point where it's almost a distraction again from uh just what's at hand because you there's so many elements of the plot going on at this point that adding this character essentially exists just to be tortured be drug along be operated on and then instantly murdered (laughs) is just really negative really dark and really depressing so um, what
2: what is up with the 24-hour turnaround like arm chopped off Surgery performed 24 hours later. Let's go for an adventure to the island. Let's do some hand-to-hand combat. Like It was, I don't know. It, it pulled I, me in.
1: I, I want to touch back to something that Matt said. And sorry, I'm kind of dragging it back to the hospital. And this is right before you fight the Rat King. But Matt touched base on this with the stadium about seeing specters. And that that idea really stuck out more with me when Abby first gets to the hospital to talk to Nora and to go into the uh, underground sealed off uh, ground zero because you literally slayed your way as Ellie through that entire group. And it, for me, when I walked up as Abby and the thing is you play Ellie first so you kill him to get to Nora but then your Abby right before Ellie gets to him so you see them as as they were. And that Asian girl is one of them. You can talk to her in the stadium and then she's playing Hotline Miami actually on her phone. And, oh my uh, God. <laughs> yeah, when Ellie gets her. But you see that she's just a cool person. And I don't wanna to go too far. I think that really kind of gives a headway, but that to me was a really uh, spectacular moment in this game and why I felt like Abby's part so far has been super endearing. Was that they threw that fact in that in this level, you would see that these are just people, too, you know, and you just saw ghosts. You're basically interacting with ghosts and they just don't know it yet. So, um, but there's also another really important scene before we get too much into the seraphites and uh, the yelling is the fact that. Um, Abby gets to the aquarium. <laughs> what? 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 What did I do wrong?
2: I, I'm just laughing because we're two hours deep into this, and there's so many goddamn important scenes that, like, <laughs> it's you're not doing anything wrong. It's just this game's so fucking good. It's, it's
1: yeah, hard but, to get. Through. But yeah, I mean, there's the there's a whole aquarium scene. Uh, Wait, am I thinking this wrong?
2: Well, what about the whole shootout with Tommy?
1: I mean, it's well—that's what I'm talking about too. That comes before going to the island. Yeah.
0: So I thought Dave was gonna have us talk about the cinematic sex scene. So I'm now, happy to talk about Tommy. I'm gonna leave that one scene.
1: too.
2: out the whole last six minutes of this, this is ever since I started talking about the scaffolding scene and Lev's uh. Love's uh, rescue operation. It's all gone downhill.
1: <laughs> um, but oh, no, Tom, Tommy's was super exciting because yeah. I felt like that this was something that was a bit different. I honestly didn't think it was Tommy. I thought I was just coming up against a Seraphite that just knew his shit. And, you know, it's it's pretty exciting. I was super gung-ho in my approach to this fight. I was, I'm, I'm going to get this motherfucker before he can run. So I was just... I was just running and gunning my way to him. And man, I'll tell you, Manny's death scene dropped my jaw. I did not anticipate it. I did not want it. I love I loved Manny as a character. And for him to just get pumped like that.
2: I want to talk more about this in the second part, but as far as a gameplay element. The fact that tommy is shooting items around you to attract zombies is so fucking cool nobody has done something like that in a video game before that i know of i mean maybe it's been done but the pacing that scene the, the the chase um it's just brilliant it's absolutely brilliant and it leads into this incredible moment where what dave just said happens and then this action sequence and i was blown away
0: I love too that they foreshadowed it with the flashback we had talked about earlier when he's demonstrating how to use the rifle to Ellie. And so that kind of like, you know, gives you an idea of why he's that good as a sharpshooter. And that, that part is so cool of just like worrying them towards you, especially because you can do that to the enemies in the game. In fact, one of my favorites is in the tunnel with Ellie when you're in the red light zone and you throw that bottle and just those guys who are chasing you get swarmed it's one of my favorite sequences in this game so um yeah you're right i mean it's it's amazing we're trying to focus mainly on the gameplay and that it's we haven't even gotten to the end so i mean we alluded to the final boss fight which is a bit drawn out because it makes no sense how this super mutant all of a sudden invaded the the universe of the last of us two but um it sets up another unique boss encounter where you actually get to fight against Ellie, which is, I thought was super badass, especially given how you spend the first half of this game. So, um, what did you think of the fight against Ellie here, boys?
1: I played it on easy. So, once I figured out how aggressive she really was, it was just a matter of staying behind her and cashing her off with bottles. But uh, she killed me. Three times before I figured out how to get to her and every single one was pretty disturbing. I got shot in the stuck stomach with the shotgun and she walks up and points the shotgun to my face and removes Abby's face from this planet.
2: <laughs> well, I started off podcast breaking about how I platinum bloodborne and I will freely admit that Ellie kicked the shit out of me way more than three times. I don't know how many times I died to her. I could not figure her out She, over and over again. <laughs> I did not enjoy that scene very much.
0: <laughs> this is actually one of the only sequences where I actually complain about the control a tad because I feel like the detection for the stealth attacks on her is off compared to other characters because there were definitely angles I would take where I had her dead to rights and, and yet for whatever reason it wouldn't click and then she would instantly execute me. Which is always a weird bittersweet execution that Dave had just described because it's like this is kind of what we wanted, right? Like I agree.
2: Like every time I died to her, I was frustrated, but there was a little part of me that was happy.
0: (laughs) Totally. You're kind of like, yeah, this that's the end of the game. Like, we wanted this. Like, (laughs) roll the credits, we're good. No, we got another
2: 10 hours to go.
0: so get into that 10 hours because it goes pretty quick but we go to the farmstead after the fight the huge fight when gets more into a big plot point but go ahead jack
2: i want to save the farmstead for later because uh i don't think you can even touch on that without just bringing up so much of what the game is about and um but so i'm just gonna i'm just gonna push it through uh
0: Oh, I love it. Let's table and I It's, I see that your co-pilot there concurs. So um, moving along to that, we get new um, San Diego. There's some trekking through a city, not anything significant gameplay wise. It's pretty straightforward.
2: There's one thing I'll say that's significant. And that is for the first time in the game, you feel really good to kill a bunch of assholes throughout the entire game you feel like a dirt bag for killing all these people. And then they just give you these, they, they make you wait to the last 10% of the game, but they just give you these real scumbags. And they're like, okay, you've mastered everything you need to know about this game. You know how to kill people.
0: Cheers. Actually, yeah, I will make the strong argument that actually these are. this is my favorite sequence in the game for that reason, partially because they spend a lot of time trying to explain the backstory for the wolves and the seraphites to a point where I actually found it a bit distracting. And I, what I liked a lot about the first one in the world building is that they leave a lot unexplained. And I thought that was a really cool way because that's how those universes are supposed to be. Like you don't have internet, you don't have fucking much of anything people probably don't even write things down that often so it's really you're just piecing up what you can gleam as you're going through it and i really appreciated that in the first game second game there's like all this backstory and there's all these descriptions and they try to do this thing where both sides are equally shitty but equally good at the same time you know with that sequence you were talking about in the aquarium jack with the kids who abandon their father to go join the seraphites which makes you feel like, oh, they're not all horrible people. Some of them are just misguided children. And, you know, so I didn't like it. It's too much conflict. Like sometimes, again, this goes back to why we're discussing just the gameplay, because sometimes you just want to fuck shit up. And you get to do that in this last level. It's so, so satisfying because those guys are just the ultimate dirtbag. They give you no description of who they are. I don't even mm-hmm. think they really name them. They just have their stupid gang sign that you see splatted up but there's no backstory there's no big boss there's no big reveal of what their intentions are
2: the equivalent of the group from the first game that you plow through in the snow
0: and but they're yeah they're even like shittier than that because like the main one guy you encounter looks like a combination of bebop and rocksteady from Teenage mutant ninja turtles like they're just purely exists just to be slaughtered at your hand and it's such a good feeling after all the skill you developed through going through all the levels up until this point
1: i really enjoyed the fact that i was able to release the chained up infected person and you can do that a few times throughout that level so that's how i handled it It was oh i'm gonna give these guys something to play with here you go buddy (laughs) he starts running off um That that was a pretty awesome scene for me.
0: I love too the sound cue when you're you're sneaking in and they're playing the music on that shitty radio over the loudspeaker. It's just such a cool setting where you're just like sneaking through like all these guys who just like in their stupid like encampment and you're just butchering each one of them. Oh, it's so good, so damn good. Jack, do you remember which song that was? It's evading me at the moment, but.
2: I can't, I just, I remember the feeling of the moment when you're just, yeah, you're basically just going through doing work on all these people that finally deserve to die. Uh,
1: There's a little bit more after that, but I think we should touch base on that one specific uh, part on the next one, Um, so.
0: That's fair because (laughs) let's leave this one off on people who deserve to die because the final sequence of actual gameplay is... Uh, leaves a lot to be desired in that realm to say the least so i think we've covered just about all the bases we can for the gameplay here gentlemen you guys have anything else you'd like to add before we depart
1: no
2: now we're really gonna get into after two hours we're 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 really gonna talk about the game
0: Uh, I hope you guys uh, made sure to Instacart some preparation H for he sat down for this one, because it's definitely going to be a test. All right. Well, with that all being said, this has been Couch Co-op Video Game Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Take care.